This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alfred, Georgia. It is our prayer that you will be blessed by the preaching of God's Word. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Psalms, in chapter number 16, Psalm 16, if we could find our place in the Word of God. Psalm chapter number 16, and uh, it's a definite blessing uh, for me to be able to be here this evening and to share the Word of God. Uh, I thank the Lord for that, although I was very nervous when Pastor said this morning uh, that I would be preaching. I thought, you know what, every lady in the church is going to be signing up for nursery now that they know I'm preaching. Come on, don't say that. You're going to give them a surprise, a surprise attack, you know, so everybody's here, right? But uh, I, it, thank you. Um, it, it is a blessing. Uh, I'm sure Pastor's going to listen to this later on streaming. I'm sure he's going to shoot me. So I wish I will pay you um, if you gentlemen will mess up that live streaming. That would be a blessing for the rest of us. Psalm chapter number 16. And if you want to grab a pen, there's some interesting things here in the book of Psalm 16. Of course, you know, the book of Psalms is the longest book in the Bible, right? 150 chapters. And man, is it long. And I mean, there's some long chapters, Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, and there's some very short ones. Well, the majority of Psalms is written by David, right? The psalmist, the sweet psalmist of Israel, and he writes the majority, but he doesn't write all of them. There's some that were written to the musicians, there were some that were sons of Korah, there's some that were, uh, Moses even wrote Psalm 92, some very interesting ones. But the ones that David wrote were written really in interesting times of his life. David had a life that kind of was like a roller coaster, right? I mean, it went up and it went down. And I mean, he went through some good times as he was king, but he went through some really bad, sorry times. In fact, some of the times that he wrote the Psalms, they were just little short Psalms, but he wrote about when he was leaving because Absalom, his son, was running him out. And a majority, of course, he wrote while he was in that desert place, while he was running for his life from Saul. Now, he had this promise of God upon his life that God was going to bless him. God was going to use him. But, of course, many years he was thinking, what in the world's going on, God? Where's the blessing coming? Because I'm hiding in all these caves. Well, in Psalms chapter number 16, it's one of these moments that he's hiding in the caves. He's running from Saul. And I want you to look at it as it says, Psalm 16, verse number 1. We'll start there. Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. Verse number 2. O my soul... Thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent, in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows, verse number 4, shall be, shall be multiplied, that hasten after another God, little g. Their drink offering and blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. And we'll stop there this evening, and I want to focus maybe more on verse number 5 and verse number 6. Uh, some commentaries noted this passage as the whole chapter is being satisfied. And it talks about all through this, but I want you to see in verse number 5 and verse number 6, if we can go back to it. Look what it says here. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance. And of my cup thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly Heritage. And if you would, grab a pen and underline those two words, goodly heritage. Now, what in the world does goodly heritage mean? The word heritage obviously means a property, right? It means an inheritance. It means a portion or a possession. So he said, you know, what I have, I have this possession, this portion, and this is what God has given me, this inheritance. The word goodly, that adjective there, means attractive. It means excellent. It means admirable. So I want you to put these words together and think about this. 
He says, you know what I have? The lines, he says, God's given me a portion. And then he looks back and he says, you know what? The lines, almost like the luck fell right there. He said, the lines have fallen in goodly, pleasant, admirable, excellent portion that God has given me. Now stop one second because that sounds beautiful. That sounds wonderful. But put it all into prospect exactly what was going on in the time. David was running for his life, living like a dog. As Saul ran from mountain to mountain, chasing him. And David was going in and sneaking in the caves and saying, I hope he doesn't find me now. I hope he doesn't find me now. Guys, you stand outside. I'm going to stay in here tonight and sleep. And his outside would be all start. He didn't exactly have the wonderful life we're, we're looking for. Yet in this midst of his running around, in fact, you know, when Saul came in, Saul was looking for his life. He worked for Saul for a while and Saul began to look for him and wanted to kill him. And when Saul went to kill him, he ran away. He was living in the desert. And so he really didn't have any heritage. He didn't have any portion. In fact, his parents went over to Moab because Saul was wanting to kill the whole family. And so think about it. You remember when Joshua crossed over to the river and he began to say, Judah, this is your portion and and, and, and this is your portion and here, this is your portion. And he gave everybody their portion, all the tribes. Well, now that portion that they had, that big old piece of land that his daddy had, now David's never going to see it maybe again. He'll never even live there and he'll never inherit anything. But yet he looks with all this running upon his back. He says, oh man, I've got an admirable and an excellent and a wonderful possession. Now, now stop a second. I'm not thinking, David, you're living in a cave. I mean, you okay, buddy? The humidity get up there to your brain? I mean, you all right there? I mean, you're, you're running away for your life. That doesn't sound like the cool life. I hope you got a good pair of Nike Airs, buddy, because you got to be running like a big man. I mean, he's not exactly got the wonderful thing, but he looks and in his heart, it's not an attitude of the the situations around him. It's an attitude of his heart. And he says, I have a goodly heritage. So what I want to speak to you this evening, just for a few moments, I want to talk to you and and I want us to think about falling in love with what God has given us. As we look around many times, I want to give you some principles that I believe David knew. Some principles from the Word of God. So if you'll take the Bible and go back to the book of Numbers, we'll start there in Numbers chapter number 11. And we'll see some simple principles of how you and I can actually fall in love and thank the Lord for the goodly heritage for what He has given us. Numbers in chapter number 11, and you remember Numbers was in this portion of time that they were running for their lives. In other words, they were on their way, they left Egypt, they were running around, they crossed over to the Red Sea, and now they're finally tranquil, they're finally all just, you know, they're they're sitting around and they're wandering around, and they know they're going to get the inheritance one day, but as they roam around there for those many years, look what they say. Numbers chapter number 11, and verse number 1. And when the people, next word, when the people, what does it say? Complained, it displeased who? Okay, I've got a very, very, very simple method here. If all, if everybody wants to sit down, nobody wants to help me, I've got plenty of notes. We can stay here for a long time. But if you're planning on having absolutely any popcorn or ice cream after service and looking forward to seeing the sun before it goes down, then I think you will help me out. This. Do we have an agreement? Everybody nod your head, right? Okay, I think we can get through this together. Okay, let's go back to verse number one. See how encouraged you are in the word of God. Let's look at verse number one. And when the people, next word, complained, it displeased who? Boy, Sherry was yelling. She was like, get this guy off of that platform for crying out loud, right? Okay, when they complained, it displeased, who did it say? The Lord. Okay, look at it. It displeased the Lord, and the Lord 
He heard it. Jump down to verse number 2. The people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. And so we know this story, what's going on, and just for, for time, I'm going to run you through the story. They begin to complain. They begin to cry, God, we don't have any food. Their complaint is actually against food. We don't have the good meat. We've been eating this bread the whole time. Lord, we are sick of it for crying out loud. Give us something good. So run verse number 20 if you want. All the way, jump down to verse number 20 in, in your Bible. Verse number 20, look what it says. Numbers chapter number 11, verse number 20. The Bible says, but even a whole month. Oh, so God says, I'm going to give you some meat. That's what you guys are wanting. I'll give you meat, buddy. Even a whole month until it comes out of, what does it say? I mean, that sounds pretty sick, doesn't it? I mean, the Lord says, oh, you want meat, big boy? Oh, I'll give you meat. I mean, I'll give you enough meat. You will be stinking. It's going to be coming out of your nostrils. You like that one? Look at what it says. So it comes out, he says, verse number 20, and it, it'll be coming out your nostrils and it'd be loathsome unto you because that ye have despised, who does it say he despised who? The Lord. Now stop right there. Look, look right up here one second. The very first principle that I want you to understand if we're going to begin to love what God has given us, number one, we have to realize that complaining is always against God. Would you say that? Complaining is always against who? God. They began to complain. They said, God, we don't have enough food. Man, this bread stinks, God. We want a big old, I mean, we want a Big Mac. We want a steak. I mean, this is just horrible. And God said, oh, you think you're complaining? Yeah, God. And God says, okay, I'll give you meat. You want meat, big boy? Oh, man, will I give you meat. You will be so sick of the meat. And then God begins to they say, whoa, 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 what are you doing? And God said, you despised me. You know, when we begin to complain, it's almost like, uh, it's almost like uh, worshiping the devil, it's almost like lifting up and saying, oh, devil, oh, de man, our complaints are praises to the devil. And we must realize that when we begin to complain, it's always against God. No, 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 no. You don't understand because I am complaining for this reason, for this reason. But it always go back, goes back to the root. It always goes against God. No, no, no. I'm complaining because I do not like the work that I have. And who gave you that job again? I'm complaining because I don't have enough money and so God doesn't know how to provide enough. Are you following me? I'm complaining because man this person really bought so who gave you that person to be a friend or a relative or whatever it may be. So our complaining is always against God. Look at chapter number 14. Chapter number 14 and verse number 1. All the congregation, they lifted up their voice once again. These guys never learn. All the congregation, they lifted up their voice and they cried and the people wept that night. So buddy, they're all having a big old ball party. Look at verse number 2. All the children of Israel, they murmured against who? Moses. And against who else? I guess you guys want to stay a little bit longer. All of them, they, they murmured against who? Moses. And against who else? Aaron. Now think about this. Moses, we really don't like you. And Aaron, oh buddy, you're thrown in the same bag because you're the brother. And you stink just like he does. Man, get out of here. We don't even want to see you guys anymore. It's all your fault. Jump down, if you would, just for time, to verse number 9. Look at what it says here. Verse number 9, the Bible says, only rebel not, now Moses is talking, only rebel not ye against who? Rebel not against who? Whoa, Moses, I was mad, I was complaining because of you and because of your brother. This has nothing to do with the Lord. And the Lord said, no, 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 you don't realize the first principle, if you're going to fall in love with what God has given you, number one, complaining is always against who? God. Complaining is always against who? God. When you complain, when I complain, it goes straight up. God hears it. It begins to go to God. It's against Him. Look in Philippians chapter number 4, I believe it is. Philippians chapter number 4, very quickly. Philippians chapter number 4. Excuse me, Philippians chapter number 2. 
Philippians chapter number 2, and look at verse number 14. Philippians chapter number 2, and verse number 14. Do all things, the Bible says, do all things without, what does it say? Murmurings and what else? In other words, we can live just fine without complaining. Number one, complaining is always against who? God. When I complain, when you complain, when they complain, when we all complain together, it's always against God. We must really, you know, it's, it's part of our nature. We're never content, we're never satisfied, we're never, we're always thrown against, and buddy, this would hit me straight in the eyeballs, but complaining is always against who? God. Now go back, if you would, because I want to show you a couple other things. Uh, make your way back to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter number 20. Would you, number one, complaining is always against God, but look at Exodus chapter number two, uh, chapter number 20, excuse me, and I want to show you another principle here. Exodus in chapter number 20, now this time in Exodus chapter number 20, we know it as when Moses or God is giving the Ten Commandments, right? And so we see that as he begins to give the Ten Commandments, we know the commandments, but jump all the way down to verse number 17. Exodus chapter number 20 and verse number 17. Thou shalt not, next word, thou shalt not what? Covet. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, thou shalt not, uh, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is in, that is his neighbor. And you know what? If they would have had cars or whatever, I'm sure he would have listed that one down too. But he just said, thou shalt not covet. Now follow with me. If you and I are going to be like David and say, God, you know what? Although I'm living in the cave and God, although I'm running for my life and although the food is really not that wonderful out here in the desert, God, it's still admirable and wonderful. It's excellent the possession you give me if you and i are going to have that attitude number one we have to realize complaining is always against who god but number two coveting is always sin coveting is always what sin in other words let me read exactly what the word you know what it is but let me read what this this word covet means covet means a yearn to possess or a yearn to have to wish to long or to crave for something especially the property of another person. In other words, we're always wanting something else, but not just wanting something else, something that really doesn't belong to us. Go to the book um, of Proverbs chapter number 21 very quickly. Proverbs chapter number 21. So he says, uh, we can go in there in the Ten Commandments. He says, thou shalt not covet. And then he begins to say, not this, not this, not this, not his house, not his maidservant, not his manservant, not, not the animals that he has. Nothing that's around. Don't covet absolutely anything. Don't yearn for that and want it if it's not yours. It is always sin. Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse number 21, the same parallel with the Ten Commandments. We see once again, he says, don't covet, don't covet, don't covet. I don't want anything to do. It is wrong. It's not being satisfied. But look, if you would, in Proverbs chapter 21 verse number 26. Proverbs 21 verse number 26. The Bible says this. He he coveteth greedily all the day long. But the righteous, he giveth, what does it say? And... So this wicked man, this vile man, this foolish man, the righteous man, buddy, he just, he's generous and he gives. But the foolish man, what does he do all day long? Man, he wants it and he wants it and he wants it. And he says, man, this is all about me. I got to have some more. Coveting is always, what is it? Sin. Now, I don't know about you, but if it was me running in the desert away from Saul, I'd be thinking, you know what? Something is not exactly equaling up right. You know what? I have absolutely nothing. You have absolutely everything. God has promised me your position. Man, I just hope that I see you in a cave the third time because I'm going to cut your little neck off, big boy. But you know what? He didn't say, hey, man, I want, man, do I want that big old castle? 
Do I want everything he has? He was just fine with where, where God gave him. He said, I have a wonderful and admirable and excellent heritage, a portion of possession that God has given me. Let me read just another scripture very quickly. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, in verse number 12, the Bible says, We dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. Listen to this. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, they are not wise. The Bible says when you and I begin to covet, we want something or we want to be something or whatever it may be, it is not wise. Have you ever heard the phrase, uh, sticking, staying up with the Jones? Men in Argentina, they didn't even, you know, there was no, there was no last name Jones. Maybe it was Gonzalez or Gomez or whatever else. But everybody wanted Gonzalez or Gomez or whoever else, man. I mean, there was, it was, it was really funny. Because I would, I remember uh, one of the pastors, he come up and he said, you know what, my neighbor, he's building this. And all of a sudden, the other neighbor, I mean, this neighbor's going to build a little addition to his house. And the other neighbor builds, he's like, he didn't even want to build, but he, he builds two additions to his house. And the other neighbor, man, he gets a little motorcycle, a 110, and that one's like, a one, I'm buying a 120, I don't even, gonna, I'm not even going to use it, but I'm going to buy me a motorcycle, a 125, so, man, I mean, you're always going against the other, I'm thinking, you don't even need that, man, but you got to stay up with them, you know what I'm saying? I mean, they're painting, and he got to paint another color, or whatever it is, we're always sticking, that's part of our nature, we're always wanting a little bit more, or whatever, but listen, friend, if you and I are going to have the attitude that David had, about loving what God gave us, no matter what it is. Number one, we have to realize, complaining is always against who? Complaining is always against who? God. And coveting, it's always what? Sin. It's always what? Sin. So go with me if you would, and I want to show you another. First Thessalonians chapter number 5. First Thessalonians chapter number 5, and you know this. First Thessalonians chapter number 5. Look if you would. Towards the end of the chapter, towards the end of the book, this first letter that he's, he's, he's cutting off to the Thessalonian church and Thessalonica church. And now as he cuts it off, look what he says in verse number 18, would you? First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 18. The Bible says, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning who? My neighbor, right? <laughs> concerning who? You. Me. This is God's will. So listen. Now, let's go back and let's remember, if you and I are going to have the attitude that David had, running for his life, living in a cave, he has a, he has a rock for a pillow, he has humidity all around him, the food stinks, the company is not exactly wonderful, it's not a great life, but he still looks back and he said, oh Lord, you've given me a very admirable and a wonderful and excellent possession, God. And the guys are looking at him thinking, Dave, what are you, I mean, I can understand if you were, you know, in the palace. But David, look where you're living, big guy. I mean, you're, it, this is horrible. And he says, no, 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 God's been good to me. First of all, we have to realize if we are going to love what God has given us, number one, complaining is always against who? God. And coveting is always what? Sin. But I want you to see a third and a last characteristic here, that, that contentment is a Christian characteristic. Contentment is a Christian character. Would you say that with me? Contentment is a Christian what? Characteristic. In other words, it's a quality. It's a trait. It's something that every child of God should have. We should be content with what we have. We can go over to Hebrews chapter number 13, verse number 5, that says, hey man, wh whatever we have, we should just be content with this, knowing that it'll never leave us nor forsake us. We can go to 1 Timothy chapter number 6 and verse number 8, and we can say, and we can see where Paul, in the inspiration of God, he said, just be content with this, with what? The food and the raiment. 
In other words, the clothes, even if it doesn't say American Eagle for crying out loud, right? I mean, the food, even if it's not a big old juicy steak, it's just, you know, beans and rice or whatever it may be. Just to be content with what God has given us. That's an attitude that hits all of us. That's something that hits every one of us. But if you and I, and let me say this, dear friend, if you and I do not have it in our heart that we're content, we're never going to be able to convince other people with some word saying, oh yeah, I'm content. See, contentment is not what you have in your pocket. Contentment is what you have in your heart. It's not the situation around us, dear friend. It's our attitude towards life. And I guarantee you, if you and I would begin to look at the things so much differently and say, God, you've been good to me. God, you've been wonderful. It'll totally, radically change our lives. Contentment is a Christian characteristic. Let me say just a few things that, uh, ways that you and I as children of God can be content. Some certain places in our lives, one, we can be content with our spouse and our family. You see, God has given you your wife, or God has given you your husband, God has given you your children. Quit comparing them to everybody else. You will never have somebody just be thankful for who God has given you and where God has put you. So your spouse or your family, number two would be your possessions. Ecclesiastes chapter number 5 verse number 10 says that he that, that, that the one in silver, he'll never be satisfied with that silver. He's always wanting a little bit more. Just be content with the possessions you have. And then third would be your position. Your position. Yeah, you know what? Let's be honest. None of us are the president of the United States of America. I mean, we love to want to fix his, his, his problem, right? But none of us will probably ever be the president of the United States of America. None of us will ever be the coach of a uh, professional football team or nobody, none of us will ever be a billionaire or whatever it may be. We have to learn to live in the shoes that God has given us. And when we're always comparing and when we're always saying and when we're never satisfied with what God has given us, dear friend, we will never get to the place that David arrived to. And I personally believe that David arrived to the palace, but God had to take him through all kinds of uh, dragging around in the desert and all kinds of, because God was shaving him off and God was molding him in certain places and God was preparing him for exactly. And then when he arrived, now we see that he is a man after God's own heart. Did it have anything to do with this attitude? It had everything to do with his attitude. I guarantee if you would have asked any Jaber would have said, man, I want to go in the palace. I'll be the king. But God said, no, 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 no. I want somebody in the, in the kingdom who's going to love me and who's going to love what I've given them. You see, we need to learn to go back and to love what God has given us. Go back with me. How are we going to love what God has given us? Number one, we have to realize that complaining is always against who? Complaining is always against who? God. But coveting is always what? Sin. But contentment, dear friend, the opposite. Contentment is a Christian what? Characteristic. Now self-examination time. Look in your own life. How are you doing? How am I doing? I was driving my way over uh, from Norcross this afternoon. And man, I was hitting myself. I was thinking, Lord, this is what I'm going to preach. And I'm studying. I'm thinking, you know what? I've got a whole lot of things to work on. Man, was it slapping me around. But dear friends, if we are going to think that we have a goodly heritage, as David believed he had a goodly heritage, we've got a lot to work on. Complaining, it's always against God. But covetousness, it's always... So let's go for the third, the characteristic, which is contentment. May God help all of us look inside and say, God, you've been a lot better to me than I sure deserve. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your love. God, use us for your honor and glory. 
Lord, we thank you. Lord, we ask that you would bless Pastor as he's preaching right now. Lord, stir hearts where he's at, God, and and raise up young people, and God, send goers, and send uh, and use senders, and God, do a wonderful work. And now, Lord, so that we don't get our mind off and go somewhere else, God, may all of us look inside tonight and say, Oh, Lord, I sure got a lot to work on. God, may I love what you have given me. May I have an attitude like David had to say, God is good. I've got a goodly heritage. And although others may look at us and say, well, it's really not that great. May we have the attitude of, yes, God has been good to me. This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alfred, Georgia. For more information, log on to www.visionbaptist.com where you can find our service times, location, contact information, and more audio and video recording.